content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio and happy Furbulous Friday. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, and we are broadcasting live here from Big D of Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry, happy Furbulous Friday. Happy Furbulous Friday. Is it Furbulous for you so far? Um, yeah, actually, you know, you said you, we're broadcasting from the big D. Today, that means the big <laughs> vitamin D. So much oh, sunshine. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. And after the storms last night, uh, I hope everybody out there listening uh, didn't uh, experience too much damage and y- that you have your electricity on soon if it went out. Uh, always scary when big storms like that. I ended up in my tornado shelter last night. Well, <laughs> so. I, I go through my tornado routine too. You know, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Had my my house destroyed by a tornado, and then we oh, had the, yeah. oh, oh yeah, that's right. Tell retell the and story. I used before. to be I used to be a storm chaser. You know, so it, it's one of those things where it's like I used to be the one that chased the tornado. I got out of the vehicle and stood in its path and dared it. And oh then, oh my god, you were one of those. And then yeah, and then <laughs> uh, one day it. Came to exact its revenge, and boy, did it. Wow. We were uh, at my um, at the uh, house that I was living in when I was on the Russ Martin show. Mm-hmm. And um, earlier in the day, we'd been out, you know, and I was hanging out with um, with the roommates and my son and his friend. And we saw this really dark cloud off in the distance. This is one of the things I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, that's a really dark cloud. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the kind of clouds that make tornadoes. Oh they were like, oh, 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 oh. How many years ago was this? That was in 2019, October of 2019. Oh, oh yeah. I remember that tornado. I remember that. That was the one that did so much, so much damage, right, to so many homes, including my niece. Yep. Yeah. And so we had uh, five grown adults and a small dog. Huddled in my arms, and we Gosh. were in the half bath under the stairs, and that tornado just tore the house down around me. Wow. That had to have been so incredibly scary. And I, I hear Maura back there. Maura Davies, are you with us? <laughs> I am. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That just like I got that was like a visceral visceral response. It is so scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, to think about that, I can't even imagine it. It's just so frightening, and especially for animals. And so, Jerry, anything else you want to add to that story that you were sharing with us? Um, I mean, you know, it just, it rained five ton air conditioners. It rained whole trees. Yeah. Um, and we came out of the bathroom. The thing that I talk about is, you know, all the power went off and everything. So I turned the light on on my phone and you know, that dust that you see in your, in your attic, you know, when you stir yeah. it up, Uh huh. I saw that in the bathroom and that's when it dawned on me that we had actually been hit by the tornado. Wow. There's a lot of other nuances, too. Like, uh, we're the only ones, we, we were the first ones on the street that it hit because it bounced. And where it came back down was on top of us. Oh, my gosh. And then we had to uh, basically dig our way out of the house through the debris and stuff. And then, you know, we uh, we found a car that was uh, one of our, it was uh, one of my roommate's cars was actually out and available. We drove it around to the front. And we put 
Jack in there, and then we set about checking on all the neighbors and helping dig them out, and then we cleared debris out of the roadway so that the first responders could get through. Yeah. And after about uh, 90 minutes of that, we got in the car and went to a hotel. Mm, yeah, it's so scary. You know, that's one of the reasons when uh, when we built this house uh, 20 years ago, that was one of the only things I wanted. That's all I wanted was a tornado shelter and some French doors in my bedroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's it, you know. And um, storm uh, shelter is important. Yeah, it is. It is important. It really is. My daughter, my oldest daughter, lives in Oklahoma, and oh my gosh, it just scares me. Uh, she doesn't own a house yet. She rents, but I think, oh gosh. It's just so scary, and uh, you know they they get hit hard in Oklahoma, and we do here in uh, Texas as well, especially North Texas here in Dallas. And you know uh, that's one of the things we're talking about today with Maura Davies. We're talking about spring storms, uh, spring storm safety tips for pets. Because you know last night, uh, let me introduce you, Maura, and then I'll tell you about last night. But uh, Maura Davies is the vice president for marketing and communications at the SPCA of Texas. Their website is spca.org or on Instagram at SPCA Texas. So, you know, as many people listening know, uh, we had some storms, tornado, wind, and all the hell warnings all over Dallas-Fort Worth last night. And it was very scary for all of us, especially scary for our pets, you know. And so, uh, Maura, why are some pets so afraid of storms? You know, it it really is a scary thing. And some pets are very scared of storms because they have uh, maybe an anxiety situation. They have some fear in their past. You know, a lot of people talk about do animals have the ability to sense the pressure drops, and a lot yes. of studies say they sure do. Their ears are so sensitive, and all of their senses. Absolutely, uh-huh. they do. Sensitive. Yeah, they do. And and that, that can wreak havoc on those sweet little kiddos who are terrified of these awful things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last night, you know, I have several dogs, as you know, so I couldn't put all of them in the shelter, but I made sure that they were, uh, all their cages were against a safe wall, and uh, they mm-hmm. were all locked in. They'd peed and pooped, and I put every, I started like a, a couple hours before the storm actually was coming, putting, pulling in patio furniture and all kinds of stuff, you know, preparing, mm-hmm. uh, put extra seed out for the birds, and just all kinds of stuff, but little Susie, mm-hmm. who was in the tornado shelter with me she was shaking like a leaf like absolutely shaking like a leaf and i she came from a puppy mill years ago we found her on the street actually lexi if you remember lexi uh lexi brinkley she is the one that found uh little Susie bell and um yeah she was shaking like like a leaf and i think it's because she uh was outside a lot you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like she experienced Mm -hmm. it a lot and as you say they're so intuitive they know what's Mm -hmm. coming they can feel it Right mm-hmm. in the in the barometric pr- oh, yeah. pressure, yeah, yeah. They 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 can sense those sense those pressure shifts. Their ears are very sensitive. Their systems are sensitive. And um, I have to say, I am deeply shocked that my current dog Grace, who lived for we don't know how long in a situation where she was chained underneath a trailer and lived outside the elements. Oh. Um, I know that she made it through the big terrifying storm. Uh, in here in North Texas in 2021, where everything was frozen for for days. I don't know how she survived that, but she did. Uh. And I am shocked to this day that she is not terrified of storms. She was blissfully sleeping belly in the air the entire time. I had to, like, pick wow. her up. And she weighs, like, 45 pounds to drag her to the bathroom <laughs> and say, no, no, we need to take shelter. Come on. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and Peter the puppy, you know, uh, yeah, I've got the new puppy, Peter, and uh, that I rescued from the uh, pet store that came from a puppy mm-hmm. mill. But, you know, they were all, at first they were kind of, you know, jacked up and barking, but right the calm before the storm, the dogs all got really calm, too, and just kind of hunkered mm-hmm. down like we did. And I kept the door to the tornado shelter open, uh, you know, as we were monitoring and listening to, you know, uh, brought two radios in there with me because you can always count on radio. Right, Jerry? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. One another reason to love radio. But yeah, so uh but uh yeah, they were they were remarkably calm. Even the cats, you know, cats know where to hide too, right? They they have their places where they can go to be safe. They instinctively know. Would you agree with that? Yes, they do. The ones that are outside and the ones that are inside. And sometimes yeah. I this is a good time I feel like to point out, um, uh, you may want to do folks out there, you may want to do what I've done with my cat Opal. I have actually trained her to come to the shaking of the treat bag, um, specifically for cases like storms. So when our sirens went off and we were going to go in a shelter, we've worked with her her whole life on every time we shake that bag of treats, we give her a treat. So positive reinforcement. Uh She knows that no matter where she is, if I can shake that bag and she can hear it, she is running because she wants that delicious treat. Yeah. So that works really well Yeah, for inside kitties who sometimes will hide somewhere and you're like, we just need to go get in the bathroom, guys. Yeah. Um, Or the storm shelter or what have you. So shake that treat bag. There she cut. She came running right on up. I don't uh-huh. want to have to search this whole house just to find you. Get in here. <laughs> right. Oh, Come my here. God. Oh, that makes me think of a, the Mama Kitty story from years ago, a, a little cat that I rescued, Mama Kitty, and she had three kittens. Uh, long story short, we got the kittens all homes, homes, but I kept Mama Kitty. And one time I thought she got out, and so I was going all over the neighborhood, Mama Kitty, Mama Kitty. My, my neighbors thought I was a total nut, I'm sure. And I was just exasperated. I came in the house, and I was crying. I'm like, oh, my God, she can't be lost again, you know, after everything she's been through. Make a long story short, so I sit down at the kitchen table, and I'm sitting there sobbing, and I look over, and she jumps out of the fireplace. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> many stories. <laughs> Pops out and looks at you like, what? Oh my what? gosh. Yeah, then there's Why the Muffy. Oh my gosh, the Muffy McClure story back when that Jessica McClure fell down in that uh, drain. You remember that story from like, yeah. oh my gosh, 30 uh-huh. years ago? Yeah. <laughs> a real life episode of Lassie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I had first moved to Texas and my little Pomeranian Muffy um, that uh, someone gave to me uh, when I lived in Washington State. And anyway, so little Muffy, we were out in the back, you know, and I was taking her, um, you know, for a little pee and poo outside. And I turned away for a second. I don't know to look at what and like, where'd she go? And then I saw this drain pipe, right? And it didn't have a cover on it. I was like, oh, my God, she fell down the drain pipe. So I, I, you know, run upstairs. This was before cell phones. I run up three flights of stairs to go to my apartment to call the fire department and she's sitting at the top of the stairs waiting for me (laughs) (laughs) crazy stories with our pets but you know let's go to break when we come back we're going to go through the five pet safety tips from maura davies and the spca stay tuned everyone you are listening to one live radio If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. 
today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Hi, this is Kevin Nealon. Did you know that tens of millions of animals are killed in laboratories every year in experiments that don't improve human health? Nine out of 10 new drugs that work in animals fail in humans. Imagine if a mail carrier couldn't find 95% of houses, they'd be out of a job. So why are we still experimenting on animals like it's 1950? It's time for real research that can actually help human patients. Visit PETA.org to learn how to fight this wasteful fake science. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Are you ready, everyone? <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Maura Davies. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We are with Maura Davies. She is the Vice President for Marketing and Communications at the SPCA of Texas. Their website is spca.org or on Instagram at SPCA Texas. We're talking about spring storm safety tips for pets. Okay, so we've got a list of five more uh, the safety uh, tips to prepare pet owners for storm season from the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. The first one is shelter. So do you have a place that you go to during a tornado warning? And how do we get our pet to come with us if it's small, if it's, uh, if it's a small area like a bathtub? You know, how do we do that? Yes. I'm back. Um, yeah. You know, I was telling right before the break, I was talking about how you can train your pets. So yeah. one thing you do, if you, if you know that your place where you're going to take shelter has like a bathtub in it, and a lot of people do, I think. And, I mean, I've heard of some people bringing mattresses in the whole nine yards. Um, make sure that you make that place a nice place for your pets beforehand. So say your dog really loves peanut butter or spray cheese. Maybe have some in a cabinet in that room. Um, and then beforehand, get them used to saying, oh, my gosh, when I go in this room, I get treats that I love. Mm. Oh, um, good. Or if you, like I was telling you earlier about, if you have a cat, you can train them to come to that treat bag rattling, then you can scoop them up and get them, and get them in there. Um, you know, make sure that your dog is good on a leash. Uh, that's something I work on with my dog, Grace, is when we get that leash on, she knows lots of good things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. we get the leash on, she's ready to get up and hop into that shelter. So um, if it's a bathtub, make sure that you bring that treat. Get them comfortable beforehand. Put them in the bathtub, no water in it. Give them a nice treat, uh, and, and it'll help when you need that place the most. Well, and you could even, you know, they have those sticky pads, like those things that are, yes. you know, that you put peanut butter on. So you could stick that to the side of the tub or inside the tub. Now, if it's a cat, what do you do? You know, and I have to say, mm-hmm. you, you know this, Jerry, you know this too. Mm-hmm. You know, back behind like a toilet where a, a cat can have access, if it's, if it's a toilet, kind of like a fancy toilet that's got like the front, uh, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Not a lot of casing. Yeah, but, the one uh, that's like shaped like a guy who's squatting and holding a bowl. So it's got yeah. that space between it and the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can go, like I had a cat one time. The reason I bring this up is we had a cat actually get stuck in there one time. Thank God I have a guy like Thomas oh. uh, who came to the house and, you know, disassembled it and got the cat out. But, I mean, they could get stuck in there, right? So you have to be kind of careful. Definitely be careful, for sure. Yeah, yeah make sure that if, if you do have something like that, make sure it's safe beforehand so that when you're in an emergency situation, whether it's a bathroom or a storm shelter or if you're in an area that does have basements, the basement, make sure you pet-proof that area well beforehand. That's a yeah. great point. Yeah, and typically a pet, can, a cat especially, they can get out of a lot of places and get into a lot of places that you think, how did they get in there, right? They're they made typ- of rubber. Yes. Yeah, I know. I've seen some <laughs> videos like recently. gelatinous substances. Yeah, and so that cat probably would have gotten out on his own, but I was freaked out because I was like, oh, my gosh, the cat's stuck behind the toilet. What are we going to do, you know? Um, But it probably could have gotten out on its own, maybe. What do you think, Jerry? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I have to see it. Better safe than sorry, I say. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but it, but that's a good idea though with the rubber sticky thing and and having treats like you were saying earlier mm-hmm. earlier and just now. Okay, so the second um uh, the second thing on this list is uh, poisons. Why should we mm-hmm. worry about poisons uh, during a storm, Maura? I think people don't think about this, and it's so important. This kind of goes along with that pet proofing your space beforehand. So I don't care if it's a bathroom, a basement, a storm shelter. Those things all can become catch-alls for all different kinds of stuff that you're storing. Mm -hmm. That can include poisonous stuff, whether it's antifreeze or um, rubbing alcohol or whatever. Um, Make sure that if if it is a bathroom, if it's a basement, first of all, it's you may be best to keep those things up out of everyone's reach mm-hmm. or maybe they're inside a little, um, you know, a, a container that has a lid that shuts. And so just a little bit of forethought there can save mm-hmm. um, really awful things. So if you, if you have like the poison bait for anything, uh, any, it's just, that can absolutely, that, that can make your, that can kill your pet. So uh, make sure that you're using humane, um, habits around your whole house and everyone will be happy. Yeah. And I say, you know, I bought this thing years ago. I don't even know where I got it, but it's a Sony. It's a little radio. Okay. I have two. Mm-hmm. And the one that's so slick is the one that w- w- went into failure last night. So I had my, you know, reliable Sony um, that you can hand crank. It's got like a little generator in it. So if you run out of battery power, you can still get, um, you know, radio feed by creating its own little power source. You know, it's like a little a, <laughs> a so little cool. handle that pops up, and then you just crank it around and around and around, and you get the feed. Isn't I that like, cool? I like crystal set radios. What's a crystal set Ooh. radio? Crystal set radios are old school technology, and the easiest I, way to to describe it is is that it powers itself off of its own radio signal. Huh. I'm gonna have to get one. Those are cool. I haven't I, thought of those in years. Yeah, those I used to so build cool. them all the time out of uh, uh-huh. you know spare electronics and stuff. Wow. I love talking about all of this. I do, because we do have to have preparedness. And, um, and mm-hmm. you always got to keep some batteries uh, in that room, too, right? Like stick them. If it's your yes. bathroom, put them, in your, put them in your bathroom closet on the bottom, in the back, mm-hmm. whatever. But have a, and a flashlight. You know, I remember. <laughs> you can have, like, with the flashlights, this is one um, thing I like to tell people after, you know, the tornado and all that. Yeah. Is, you know, you can get all those, like, store-bought. Well, I guess they're all store-bought technically, but you can get all those like cheapy grocery store flashlights and have them all over the house, but get yeah. you at least one badass flashlight, at yes. least one, mm-hmm. and yep. keep Good it advice. somewhere that you can find in the dark. Yeah. Very What's important. the best? 
I'm going to ask you, Jerry, what's the best badass flashlight out there? Do you have a recommendation? Uh, the one I have was actually made by Duracell, but it's it's the ones that have like mine uh, too. That I are got made it at Costco with, with the steel <laughs> uh, bodies, you know, and they've got the adjustable uh-huh. beam and the yep. super bright uh, oh, yeah. LEDs. Yeah, yeah, those those are the best ones to have because they flash. Uh, they've got uh, you know usually different light level settings. If they're super fancy, mm-hmm. they might even change colors. But that flashing yeah. is very important because that'll get somebody's attention. Yeah. And like I said, have those backup batteries uh, on hand and make sure they're mm-hmm. fresh. Uh, yeah. And if you buy a big pack like at Costco or something like that, share them, you know, with, with other people. That way they don't go bad and it helps the environment, too, where we're mm-hmm. not wasting batteries. Uh, I wish they could come up with an alternative. It doesn't seem like there's anything really out there. The rechargeable batteries, they don't work very well still, do they? Does anybody know, Jerry? Not, I keep going to you because you're the man here. Not. <laughs> well, why, thank you. Um, I, I really don't think that the rechargeable, the smaller rechargeable, I mean, you know, for, for like toys and stuff, you know, yeah. your little radios, it's, oh, yeah, they're great for that. But if you're going to yeah. get something for like a flashlight, then the LED flashlights are the way to go. They take the least amount of energy. And mm-hmm. from my personal experience, the Duracell seem to last in a uh, passive or inert state mm-hmm. uh, better than the others. And you've heard that thing about putting them in the freezer to make them last longer? No. Oh, you haven't? Well, good. Don't do mm-hmm. it. It's oh, it's it, not true? No. That will uh, actually decrease their effectiveness. Oh, wow. That is so a great that, tip. I'm glad you brought that up. Don't do that. I'd never heard that, but I bet there's people out there that have that probably do it. So I, it's almost like a public service announcement, Jerry. <laughs> I learned a lot so from much. that tornado. Always oh, have yourself a, uh, one of those charging blocks for your phones. Yeah. And yeah. keep that charged up so when the power goes out, yep. you can charge up your cell phones. Yeah. It's about being prepared, survival of the fittest, right? The Absolutely. fittest of the body and the mind. That means being prepared. So, you know, and our pets are so vulnerable. They really are. They depend on us to, especially, you know, that now that they're all, most of them are so domesticated and they're in our home. So we have an obligation to be prepared for them as well. You know, I even mm-hmm. brought, because of the puppy, I brought some uh, wipes in there and I brought like a little bag because I was afraid he might have, you know, it's a puppy. So I might mm-hmm. have to pee or poop and a little bag in case I had to wrap it up so it didn't stink us out of there. <laughs> I was trying to think of everything. <laughs> Brought a bottle of I'm water so and a little bowl. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's important. So, you know, on this list uh, also is the third concern is pet anxiety. So some pets, as we discussed, have more anxiety than others. But, Maura, how do our pets show their anxiety during a storm other than shaking like Susie was? What are some other ways? Sure. Well, they could be, they could want, they could seek to hide. Uh, they could drool excessively. They uh, could show you that, um, we call it whale eye, where their little eyes get real big and you can see the whites of their eyes, which you don't often see. Uh-huh. So that uh, body language, they'll tuck their tail. They'll want to maybe be Velcroed to you. So um, anything that's not their normal happy self can be anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing up. Vomiting, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, throwing up. It can get really bad. I mean, they can um, they can excessively chew on themselves, can give themselves hot spots. So it can be uh, scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it can uh, for them, and 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 we mm-hmm. need to remain. I think a trickle down from the top too. You need to remain calm. Whoever's, you know, because yes. some people lose their minds. I have uh, one of my daughters has terrible uh, anxiety over thunderstorms. From her, she got it from her grandmother who used to lose her mind <laughs> when a storm mm-hmm. would come. And so people do uh, based on prior experiences, like Jerry. You know, you had that terrible experience. Yeah. It'll probably stay with you, I'm sure, the rest of your life. Yeah, and the so, anxiety's getting worse as I. 
get Is further that? away from it. It's really yeah. It's it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Well, you'll laugh. Last night, I was a little anxious myself. <laughs> and one of my best friends, um, she came over and her and her uh, granddaughter and their cat to be in the in the you know in the uh, shelter with me. Anyway, I had this little jacket on, like just a little you know workout jacket, a black cotton, you know the ones that zip up the front. I don't know, like a hoodie. And one of the little strings from the hood was hanging down, and it hit my arm, and I was like. <gasps> Oh, God. <laughs> I jumped really big, and then I made it's her jump really down. big. <laughs> and I'm like, we need to calm down. We need to calm down. <laughs> but it was funny. We were getting each other all jacked up. But, um, okay, so what are some ways that we can alleviate our pet's anxiety during a spring storm? Maura, what are your tips? Well, you know, you can speak with your veterinarian well in advance if your dog shows anxiety for other things, whether it's fireworks, other situations that are out of the ordinary, speak with a veterinarian. There are some homeopathic things that they can talk you through. There are prescription medications for very severe anxiety that will help them cope. And so if you, um, if you, if your pet has any of those, just keep some of that stuff in that same spot, make yourself a little go kit, um, inside your, uh, your, uh, shelter area so that your pet's anxiety meds are there. Maybe your anxiety meds are there. That can be really helpful. Anything else that you want to do beforehand, just Best, I mean, be prepared. Yeah, and that includes evacuation, right? Because sometimes you do have yeah. to leave to go to a safer place. So, um, yep. you know, I, I carry like I always have like easy access dog leads and cages and things like that. That was one of the things that we did too. I, I prepped mm-hmm. that as well to have it on hand. So, what do you, what does the SPCA recommend for evacuation? Sure. Well, if it is if you do need to evacuate, make sure that you have a little go kit for your pet. And this can be it can be a little bag that you keep right next to their crate. That's what I do. I actually have another crate that I really love that has like a little storage container that's on it that I can keep little things like collapsible bowls. Um, make sure you have a supply of food that it's ready to grab and go. Uh, water bottles stick in there and change them out. Um, be make sure that some of your, you have some emergency medication that's in there. Um, that you make sure you have leashes or carriers. I mean, starting with that, uh, that your pet always, always has a collar with their tags on. Hopefully they're microchipped. The tags are updated. The microchip is updated. Yeah. You have a list of any of your pet's medical issues, their vaccine records, even mm-hmm. a photo of them. Get that all in the same spot because you have to go. If the worst happens, you have as much prepared beforehand as possible. So you can grab and go. Absolutely. And I say, uh, if your dog is in your backyard during the day while you're at work, uh, you have someone uh, that's already, it's already planned, you know, someone that can go to your backyard, go to your house and get your pet out and bring it into safety, mm-hmm. bring it into their home or somebody, you know, that loves you and your family and your pets uh, that can, that could help out that lives nearby. Right. We all have to yes, help one another. Great. Yeah. Because yes. a lot of, a lot of dogs and uh, get stuck in backyards while people mm-hmm. are at work. Unfortunately, it's just, uh, it's just the nature of uh, our lives for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. at least they're giving the dog a home, right? Because so, uh, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of which, before we go off the air, let's talk about how important spay is spaying and neutering your pets and adopting and not shopping more. Let's talk, touch on that for just a sec if we can. Absolutely. There are so many pets in this country that the only way they could all have a home, and I mean dogs and cats only here, um, is if every single person adopted like seven pets a day, every day of their whole lives. So mm. spay and neuter, adopt from a shelter, rescue group, uh, local animal care and control, adopt, don't shop, um, and, you know, give a pet a lot of love. Right now, shelters across the country are experiencing a crisis. Yeah, they are. They're full, 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 full. Like, yeah. we're so full, everybody's full. It's, it, yeah. is, it is a legitimate crisis. It's complex, um, but the 
best thing I can say right now is please stay neuter and please adopt, don't shop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Maura, thank you for all the work that you do and for jumping on the air with us again today. Always a pleasure, Maura. Davies, everyone, I encourage you to go to the SPCA.org and uh, help them out. Give a small donation, even if it's only $10. It all helps, doesn't it, Maura? It sure does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Everyone, stay tuned. We've got Yvette Stewart coming up. We're going to be talking about helping birds during spring migration season, which is right now. We just started it uh, Wednesday, March 1st. So stay tuned. We've got a lot coming up. You are listening to Furbulous Fridays here on One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that song in years. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I can't even think straight. I, that song is so funny. It's so cute. Uh, is that Michael Jackson? That is the Jackson 5, baby. Jackson 5. Oh, my gosh. That is the cute, pinchable <laughs> cheek version of Michael Jackson. Oh, my gosh, everyone. Welcome back to One Life Radio. <laughs> We're having a blast here today on this Furbulous Friday. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Yvette Stewart. I'm about to introduce her. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Yvette, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Bernadette. Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I am enjoying some beautiful weather down here in Alice and ready to talk about birds. Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh, I love my birds. I love having you on the show too. Yvette Stewart is the Community Outreach Coordinator for Audubon Texas, the state branch of the National Audubon Society. She currently heads up the uh, Bird City Texas Project, an urban conservation certification program, as well as the high school conservation program in partnership with the Young Women's Preparatory uh, Network. Yvette comes to Audubon Texas with a degree in wildlife and conservation biology from the University of Rhode Island and has recently attained her Master's of Education in Curriculum and Instruction from the University of Texas. She is a former uh, AmeriCorps, a service member, and having served two years on the Ocean State Environmental Education Collaboration Crew in Rhode Island. Uh, The website is tx.autobahn.org. That's tx.autobahn.org or trinityriver.autobahn.org. As I said, uh, such a pleasure to have you with us and i'll shout out the instagram as well instagram which is where i first saw this again about the migrations that that started uh march 1st on wednesday is at autobahn texas that's on instagram or at trinity river autobahn center so yvette let's talk about this march is the kickoff of spring migration for birds what happens during spring migration 
all of our beautiful neotropic birds start to head back north for breeding purposes. And so, you know, there's actually a lot of debate about why birds bother to migrate, but it seems that as we shift into spring and summer and the light changes, the insect population up north kind of explodes. We have this abundant food, and then we have abundant space for species to come in and claim their own breeding territory. So that motivates them to leave these otherwise like condensed areas in the subtropics or the tropics and head back north for the purpose of breeding. And so Spring migration, you know, it kicks off because there's a change in light, there's a slight change in hormones, and the birds are realizing, like, hey, if I want to be able to raise some successful babies this year, I need to get some more space and better access to food. And so that's why they start to move north. Mm. Well, I put out a lot of extra food this morning, almost a whole big bag that I get from Wild Birds Unlimited. Uh, I love going there. They have a lot of a variety of different ones because the quality of the, the bird food that you give them makes a difference, too, and attracts a lot of different types of birds. Is that right? Yes. So, um, you know, in our yards, we're going to have a lot of different types of seed eaters. So putting out black oil sunflower seeds for our cardinals and our finches, that is a wonderful way to attract those birds into our neighborhoods. And birds do need excess energy in order to migrate. So during the spring, having feeders up, it's wonderful. You're supporting birds. And the other way to support birds is if you are all inclined to get your hands dirty, is go out and plant some natives that bloom all throughout the spring. And then you'll be able to provide coverage, nectar, and insects that want to be growing on those plants too that the birds can then get their protein from. So Mm. uh, seeds are wonderful. I love um, Wild Birds Unlimited. There are many stores across the state and they are passionate people about making your yard more bird friendly. That's where I like to get my stuff for birds. Yeah, me too. I know. Um, uh, David Hurt is the owner of the one that I go to on Lover's Lane, but there's lots of great um, owners uh, out there, and they do. They are passionate about birds. I'll give Stacy a shout-out. She's another one that works there. That's great. Um, so uh, do different kinds of birds migrate at different times, Stacy? I mean, a, a Yvette? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, thinking. that's all right. <laughs> um, yes, uh, so different birds are going to hit both um, during the day, they'll migrate at different times during the day, and then throughout the season. So shorebirds are notorious for migrating early, uh, but then we also have peak times for raptors, so all of our beautiful hawks that are going to take off from Texas and head north. Um, the neotropic warblers, those guys come through at a different time, and so from now until June, the reason why spring migration period is such a long chunk of time is because different species start to leave at different times, and they take certain amounts of time to get to their breeding habitat. So some birds are like straight shots. They're going to go, you know, within three days, they're going to migrate a thousand miles. They're just going to go, go, go. And other birds, they get up, maybe they move a hundred miles and they settle down for a week and then they get up and they move again. And so, yeah, each different type of group of birds have different migration strategies. Mm. So for sure. It's more like a road trip vacation kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I always... yeah, I th- always thought it was comical when people would call someone a bird brain because birds are some of the smartest animals out there, aren't they? <laughs> they really, actually, so interestingly, if birds do migrate, because of how much energy a brain takes to operate, mm-hmm. uh, birds that migrate have smaller brains than birds that stay local. So things oh, wow. like crows and ravens that don't migrate very big distances at all um, they have larger brains and they can spend more energy developing that brain than a small bird that's going to migrate a long distance. So it takes a lot of energy to migrate. It takes a lot of energy to have a big brain. And so there's a trade-off between the two. 
Yeah. That's very we, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and they also can, uh, in cold weather, I remember um, them telling me this at Wild Birds Unlimited, um, they, uh, they can lose a lot, high percentage of their body fat just in one night of sub-zero temperatures, right? Or freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tremendous percentage. I forget what it is, but I always get the seed with the fat in it, especially during the winter. So to make sure the, to help facilitate, um, you know, a... Uh, 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 successful migration, if you will, right? Because they need that extra fat as they... They do, yes. And so um, especially here, you know, in places that we don't think of as getting extremely cold. So Texas, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had a couple of these big freeze events. And that's not normal for a lot of the birds that overwinter here. So providing that uh, rich, energy-rich resource during those cold spells is extremely helpful. And then, of course, as the bird, you know, overwinters in cooler areas, if they have abundant food sources, when springtime does come around and they're ready to migrate to a different spot to have those babies, it's easier for them because they've been, they've been able to maintain health throughout the winter as opposed to, um, you know, being energy starved and trying to migrate. That will uh, effectively kill birds. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you can provide healthy, good food for birds. Yeah. When did your love affair with birds start? When it, Was it when you were a kid? <laughs> no, actually, um, I was always somebody who was interested in spiders and sharks, and I went all throughout high school thinking I was going to do marine biology, and I actually started at college as a marine biology major, and I took an ornithology class, and I got to hold the bird. We had a local uh, bird banding station that had been operating for 20-plus years. The ornithology class was visited there, and that was it. That was my touchstone experience was holding a live bird. And then mm. I, from there, I've done volunteering with um, recapture birds. I've done some bird studies and, yeah, yeah. do a lot of banding. A bird in the hand is life-changing. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love my birds. I do. It's part of my uh, happiness, uh, just sitting out and watching them, you know, uh, just do their thing. Yesterday or the day before, uh, uh, Marie and I, you know, because we work from home, we were in the kitchen studio, basically, working in. We took a little break, and we were looking out the window, and there were just birds everywhere, Yvette. And there was one in particular that almost looked like uh, like a denim blue, this beautiful bluebird, but it had like a, like a almost like a... Um, a purple cast on it, like it was almost like it was shiny, or I don't know how to how to describe it, but it was absolutely beautiful. Now, was is that a bird that I'm describing? Maybe not as well as I need to for you to identify, but is that a bird that is migrating, or uh, you know, or is that a bird that sounds familiar here um, in Texas? So it could be one of two birds. Um, you may have actually seen an eastern bluebird, which has that beautiful like pale blue. Um, they're not super shiny though, but they're like a pale, beautiful blue. And they also have a little bit of this rich kind of brick red color on their chest. Uh-huh. However, uh, birds that are migrating right now, purple martins are returning and purple <gasps> martins are a glossy. Oh yes. Blue. Love the martins. Um, and so yeah. that, That's what it was. And yeah, it was beautiful. Brenda, I think you have told me in the past that you have kind of, um, like a wide open area outside of yes. your house. And yes. so, Purple martins would definitely like to be in that kind of habitat. So that, that's where I'm leaning. I think you probably saw purple martin. And those are incredible migrants. The males actually come back much sooner than the females. And they scope out um, potential breeding sites in the fall. And they remember that. And they come back early in the spring mm. to set up that territory. Mm. So purple martins are awesome migrants. Super amazing birds. 
Yeah, it was one of the most beautiful birds I've ever seen. Um, And I'm looking at the clock. We have to go for a quick break. Everyone, more bird talk with Yvette Stewart. Uh, She is the Community Outreach Coordinator for the Audubon Texas, or for Audubon Texas, the state branch of the National Audubon Society. Stay tuned. Like I said, more bird talk coming up. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. Hey everyone, I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotic. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care. Her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Yvette Stewart. It is Furbulous Fridays here on One Life Radio. We are continuing our live broadcast from Dallas, Texas on on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We are here with Yvette Stewart. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator for the Audubon, Texas, or for Audubon, Texas, uh, the state branch of the National Audubon Society. You can find uh, uh, Yvette at tx.autobahn.org or trinityriver.autobahn.org. Okay, we're talking about helping birds through spring migration, which started March the 1st. And uh, you have a hashtag lights out campaign, right? For everyone to turn their lights out to help the birds to navigate properly, right, Yvette? Not just navigation, but also preventing exhaustion. So, you know, humans, we do have some ability to see at night, but we love our electricity. The lights make us feel safer, et cetera. So in our big cities and our urban areas, we tend to leave our lights on all hours of the night. However, for birds, like those beautiful purple martins and uh, all of the songbirds that we love to see, the warblers with their beautiful color, most of those birds migrate at night. So when we leave the lights on, it confuses them. They see this light on the horizon. They think the sun is rising, and they may come down into the cities where they're going to get kind of confused by all of our human action, and they may decide to settle into a tree to kind of wait out until the real sunlight comes up. But between the exhaustion of getting stuck in our bright lights and circling around, looking for places to rest, finding a place to rest, and then getting up in the morning, seeing reflections of our windows, thinking that they're flying into trees and actually hitting into windows. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Leaving our lights on causes a lot of bird mortality. So one of the best and easiest things that we can do to help birds is turn lights off. And not all day, um, but specifically from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., which most people are out of the office at that time. Most of us are in our house at that time. We can yeah. close um, our window shades and keep our light inside and not be distracting from the bird's migration outside. Mm-hmm. And you could do what I do. I have uh, a window warning on my main, uh, this the part of my house where I sit where the birds seem to you know that's where the bird feeder is and it's nearby the magnolia tree anyway I have uh, had these little um, stickers made that in the shape of a bird that uh, it's I this you don't have to do this it could be a lot simpler than that but you know I had attention birds (laughs) this is a window Yeah, attention, just anything, because they do fly around, and they do get flying pretty quick, and they hit, I mean, I I typically, uh, you know, even with all the precautions that I take, usually um, I have a bird that, you know, hits the window uh, once or twice uh, a a year and loses their life over it, right? It happens. So It does, and... Exactly what you're saying. Stickers are a wonderful way to show the birds that it's a solid surface. Birds don't understand windows. They don't have a human mindset. They just Mm -hmm. see the reflection of the sky or the trees, and they think, hey, I can go that way. Uh, And so there's another thing called the copian um, barriers, which are just small, thin, hanging um, lines that will move with the wind, and so they'll show the birds that there's something there. And we suggest for people who want to put uh, decorations on their windows that it be no wider than two inches and no um, taller than four inches. And that's Mm -hmm. because if you think about how a bird flies, their wings out and straight uh, forward, if it's longer than four inches, the bird will think that their wings are going to hit it. And if it's tall, sorry, if it's uh, shorter than two inches, the bird will think my head can't fit through there. So that kind of grid where you're having a small space will help the bird stay away from impacting into your windows um, or anything that's going to move frequently that'll show the birds that there's something over there they shouldn't fly into that area is a great way to help birds and prevent them from striking our windows. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize how impactful preventing bird strikes at our homes can be, but something about 44% of birds that hit windows are hitting in residential areas. So not the big tall um, skyscrapers, but our small residential buildings. So Mm -hmm. great way to help birds. Yeah. Um, and it's, and when I put those stickers up, it, I mean, it really, really helped made all the difference in the world. It did, you know, um, Yvette, another thing that I think that is important to bring up is, uh, how we can support laws that migratory, my, uh, migratory, uh, birds can't live without. Can we talk about that by, uh, taking action, uh, and, and protecting them through, um, legislation? Yeah. So, You know, humans, we're really powerful when we use our voice collectively. And so writing to your representatives is a wonderful way to get them to understand that that it is important to protect birds. And so there are laws around um, architecture, what kind of materials we use when we're creating new buildings. A lights-out proclamation can go a long way to get community members who maybe don't think about birds on the regular Mm -hmm. to understand that we're still having an impact on wildlife. And so reaching out, you know, hashtagging your elected officials can be a wonderful way to do that. Write letters to your city hall, ask them to turn out lights on the buildings that they own. Those are all very impactful ways. And then there are, you know, huge legislation, things like the Rewilding America's Wildlife Act or RAWA that also need support and that has the potential to not only help birds and all the other beautiful wildlife that we enjoy it also can bring 
uh, millions of dollars into the Texas ecosystem. So mm -hmm. there are ways that we can support on national levels, state levels, and local governments. Use our voice. Raise yeah. up. Write. Call out. Tag people. Get them on. Turning the lights out and supporting um, preservation of our wild spaces. Yeah. So many things that people don't know, like buying bird-friendly coffee. Can we touch on that for a sec? Oh, I love it. Um, Cornell Lab of Ornithology has uh, recommendations. And basically what that means is in the tropical areas where we grow our coffee, you can do it in a, the most natural ecosystem possible, which produces delicious coffee and it protects spaces for birds. Or you can do it at a mass agricultural scale where they pull down all the plants that are not coffee plants. They use pesticides. They you know, use our water. So, you know, when you look for the bird-friendly label on your coffee and chocolate nowadays, you are helping preserve important habitat for birds that they'll winter there and then they come back up here and they will breed up here. So we're protecting birds on both their winter habitats and their, um, their summer habitats. Yeah, and even reducing your plastic foot footprint can make a difference, right? Because of all of the plastics that become entangled or, you know, end up in our oceans, pounds and pounds of trash in our coast and oceans. Yep, and that's a big issue along the Texas coast. Because of the way water moves through the Gulf ecosystem, mm -hmm. we actually, on the Texas coast, we get trash from Louisiana and from Florida because of the way the current circulates through the Gulf. And so anytime that we have the ability to reduce our plastic ultimately impacts the birds along the shore, both from not putting plastic into their diet, which fills their belly but doesn't give them nutrition, or um, you'll see images of birds with fishing line kind of tied around their feet or tied around their bills, and that will ultimately not allow the bird to move the way it needs to and, and help it. It can potentially get tangled up in those um, plastic pieces. So mm. reducing your use of plastic 100%. And then, like, if you're going to do things like recreational fishing, making sure that you are being proactive, putting that fishing line in trash bins when you're done with it, not just, you know, allowing your cast off to get pulled out into the ocean and left there. Mm. Love talking with you. Yvette Stewart, everyone. Thank you so much for jumping on the air with us today. It was a lot of fun. I love talking about birds. <laughs> I know you do, too. Thank you for having me back <laughs> and talking about spring migration. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Spring, spring migration, everyone. Hashtag lights out from 11, would you say 11 p.m. to 5 a.m.? Is that right, Yvette? 6 a.m., yes. 11 right. to 6 a.m., yep. 11 to 6 a.m. All right, everyone. It's the weekend. It's Fabulous Friday, and it's a wrap. <laughs> you get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Hashtag lights out. <laughs> Go walk around in the sun. Check out some birds. Yeah. Hey, hey, woo. Only get one life.